You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And downloading to the Blue Horseshoe Pod because anytime we go live, anytime a new episode drops, you get an alert and you get it right away. So for a day like today, George, we're recording a day later. Don't fret. You will get it as soon as this is live. Uh, You can always stay up to date with everything going on with the Indianapolis Colts. So speaking of which, it's never a dull moment in Indy. That is for sure, George. And Tuesday morning, we found out that Marcus Brady, offense coordinator for the Colts, was relieved of his duties. One week after Matt Ryan was benched, and only after one game of Sam Ellinger's debut, Frank Reich, who's the play caller anyway, will now take over offensive coordinator duties. What was your reaction to Marcus Brady getting canned? Very similar to the Naheem Hines trade. I'm, I'm not sure what it changes. I'm not sure, you know, very similar to, to when Matt Ryan got benched. I, I don't know what changes. We talked about, you know, on Sunday, you got everything that you wanted from, from Sam Ellinger in that game. You you saw him use his legs and buy a couple more first downs. He seemed to open up a little bit for the running game. It was better than it's been probably any week except for the week one game against Houston this year. Uh, and you got a couple explosive pass plays. You know, they had five plays of 20 yards or more, and I think four of them were, were in the passing game. So, you got everything that you could really have realistically hoped for from him. You still scored 16 points, which is what you were averaging coming in. You still turned the ball over twice, which is what you were averaging coming in. And now there's more window dressing. You're going to fire Marcus Brady, and, and that's going to you know, somehow solve all of this. I don't I – mean, Frank Reich today on Wednesday as we're recording this, he, he said it, Brady's not a scapegoat. That's not what this is about. It's about just – basically feeling like a change was needed. Sometimes it's just not the right fit. You know, you see guys, players who are in a system and for whatever reason, it doesn't click for them. They go somewhere else. They play much better. Feels like Marcus Brady might be a coaching equivalent of that. I mean, that's fine. I just don't see anything from the outside looking in. And, and, you know, maybe Sunday we'll change our mind. They'll go and they'll, they'll blow Bill Belichick away. And you'll understand it was always Marcus Brady who was holding this thing back. Uh, I just don't see anything right now. I mean, we, we 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 talked about it for eight weeks now. The offensive line is the issue here. The offensive line is is keeping so many things from happening on this offense, whether it's in pass protection that makes you go to a sixth-round rookie so you've got more mobility and your quarterback isn't hit on every do- down, or whether it's the running game where, you know, Jonathan Taylor looked like Superman last year, has definitely been Clark Kent this year. What's the difference? The running, the blocking up front. I, it's... I don't see how firing Marcus Brady fixes any of that. There's so much to get into. So I guess let's just, uh, let's start with this. You're right. hundred percent. Like he's not the play caller. So I don't even know how much of a difference we're going to see. Like Frank, like at the end of the week is the one putting a game plan together is the one calling the plays. Like how, I don't know the, the, you know, obviously we don't know the, the intricacies and how it works between Marcus Brady kind of getting ready and, and Frank Reich and how and that all melded together. But the point is, like, it's really, like you mentioned, it's not doing anything. Like, at least Matt Ryan, you bench him. Okay, fine, you get a, a younger, more mobile quarterback to maybe give this team a spark of life. 
I honestly don't know what Marcus Brady, what his firing does for this team. I don't think we'll see a tangible uh, difference on Sunday compared to the first eight weeks. And like you mentioned too, we talked about Matt Ryan benching that felt like a Jim Mercy move. This Marcus Brady firing to me feels like Frank Reich absolutely saying what he said is not the case. I think it's a scapegoat uh, scapegoat move. I think Frank Reich is feeling the pressure. I think he was trying to make a move to justify why after making a quarterback switch, the turnover promises are the same, the running game a little bit better, but not much different. And the point total stayed exactly the same. You're still changing some parts. Nothing's, you know, nothing's getting fixed. So then you start to look above and say, oh, maybe it's not the players, maybe it's the coaching staff. I think this is Frank Reich trying to save his job or at least, you know, buy an excuse to getting another year by firing Marcus Brady. I mean, it feels to me like a, another symptom of what's been pretty clear desperation within the franchise in general right now. I mean, you bench, you're starting quarterback, you're, it's really a hope and a prayer that, that the sixth mm-hmm. round pick is going to come in and, and, you know, bring some life to the team. You change the offensive line around 25 times. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many changes there were there in the first few weeks. Uh, you went to an up-tempo, no-huddle offense to try to get things going. And, you know, none of that's worked. The quarterback change didn't work either. So now what's left? Well, you know, let's let's try a new offensive coordinator. Um, the only thing we know for sure, verifiable, that's going to change is, is who's leading some meetings. And it sounds like Scotty Montgomery, who's the running backs coach, is going to take over some of those responsibilities. He's a guy who's coached wide receivers before. He's been around. He understands a lot of aspects of the offense. So I think he'll be able to kind of, you know, influence other areas of the, of, of the team. But, Again, I, I just doesn't – I think I said the other day, you know, changing the quarterback felt like when, when the engine's out on your car and you go get new tires, now you're cleaning off the windshield. Not fixing – and that's part of it too, George. Like, all right, they fire – they bench Matt Ryan. Again, is he blocking? No. He was at fault, don't get me wrong, but you bench Matt Ryan, nothing changes. You fire Marcus Brady. Again, the issue is not the play calling or even the, the game plan leading up to the week, and it's not – Matt Ryan was involved for sure, but he was not by far the number one issue of this offense. It's in the offensive line. They, like you mentioned, they tried everything, and nothing's really worked. Nothing's really changed. And you had Frank Reich again this week giving you know Chris Strausser a vote of confidence, saying they you know they think the offensive line is turning and they're starting to see progress. The last few weeks, are they watching the same game we're watching, George? Like Sam Ellinger sure ran as you know got out of the pocket a little bit and didn't get hit as much. But even you go back to the Tennessee game a week ago, Matt Ryan was getting hit. That run game who could not get anything going again for the most part. No, John Taylor was a little bit on a pitch count, had some success, but there was not anywhere near the level of rushing attack we saw last year with the same unit. Uh, even on Sunday, it was a little bit better. We, we called for Jonathan Taylor's second best game of the season. It happened. We're still talking about, what was it, a 76-yard effort? Like, we're not talking about a huge game here. And it's just like, we are talking about, what, marginal improvements at best? And that's the reason you keep, the offensive line coach, which has been the biggest problem this season, because you gained an extra 10 yards on the ground and you had a more mobile quarterback that didn't get hit uh, as many times. Like, what are we doing? Like, what, what, is, how, H- how are we here, George? How is everyone kind of getting eliminated except the, the, what is obvious to us, the biggest problem on this team? Yeah. I mean, I, before I benched the quarterback, before I fired the offense coordinator, I would have gone after the offensive line coach. I mean, that's just me. I think I've said it before and I'll say it again, whoever the head coach is here next year, his number one priority should be driving up to South bend and presenting a blank check to Harry. He's and just saying, whatever, fill in the numbers, come down here. I don't care if it's Frank Reich. I don't care if it's Sean Payton. I don't care if it's the, the ghost of Vince Lombardi, whoever the head coach is here next year, 
needs to come up and and get Harry Heastan back in here, reunite him with Quentin Nelson. I think he'll get the three big guys, the the anchors of this line, back up and running. And I think he'd be a pretty good guy to to pick your next left tackle. But that's a complete tangent. Uh, you know, the the fact of the matter is, I think the one of the things that they're leaning on is the yards per carry, four point seven on uh, Sunday, which sounds pretty good. But I think it's smoke and mirrors a little bit. 135 rushing yards, more than a third of them came on two carries, and they were both to a certain degree gimmick kind of situations. You got 28 yards from Paris Campbell on a jet sweep. Great play. I think you should run it again this week. Uh, I think getting the ball in Paris Campbell's hands as many times as possible is a really good idea. If you want a criticism of Sunday's game plan, he only touched the ball three times. He got 71 yards. Maybe try to get the ball to him a little bit more often through various ways. And maybe that's one thing that the Naheem Mines move does. I don't know. Maybe Paris picks up some of those Naheem runs, some of those Naheem slot, you know, uh, when he lines up in the Reps. slot snaps. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, that maybe is one one change uh, that that trade maybe will bring about. Uh, but the other the other big run was a 27 yard run by Jonathan Taylor off an RPO. So I don't know that it really wasn't to my eyes. I mean, I would go back and watch the tape again, but it really wasn't the offensive line blowing off, you know, blowing off the snap and and getting that push up front. That's what you want to see. That's what you saw last year. I didn't feel like that happened on Sunday. You you gimmicked a couple big runs in and, and your yards per carry went up as a result. I mean, George, you could boil it down as simply as third and third and goal at the one yard line. You hand mm-hmm. up John Taylor and you lose two yards. And it's not John Taylor's fault the reason why he lost two yards. He didn't have a chance. And it, you, we talked about the red zone struggles. It's like you need it's basically that is just a man up play. This is mano a mano. Who wants him more? Push your guy to the side. And the Colts offensive line, especially if you rewatch the um the, I think it's floating on Twitter, the tape, especially from the All-22 from behind. You see the, the man who made the play in the Commanders went right by, uh, right in between Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson, who are supposed to be two of, if not the two best offensive linemen you have on your team. They got bodied, blown up, and again, hurt what should have been a touchdown and could have helped win the Colts a game. I mean, you talk about how many yeah. field goals they set up for. That could have won the game right there. You score a touchdown. And that play alone should kind of just, just go to remind you. This offensive line, like you mentioned, sure, he could window dress it up. And, oh, there's a 27-yard run. And there's Sam Ellinger dancing around the pocket. And there's a nice jet sweep. So, look, it's it's improving. But in reality, it's not. Like, when you need to run the ball, this team still cannot do so. On a consistent basis when they are paying the five guys on that line to be able to run the ball whenever they want. All right, you look at it. There's two plays down there by the goal line that if you make either one of them, you win the game. You you make both of them, you win the game by multiple scores. The one you're talking about on third and one, and then the touch pass to Michael Pittman on on third and three, where he's down just short of the mm-hmm. the goal line. Uh, you know, again, there are things that that went wrong on that play that are not only on the line, but if they blow everybody up and they and they get that push and and he walks in, you know, we're probably talking about a victory. We're talking about how. The Sam Ellinger move worked, and and you know we're looking forward to what's going to happen on Sunday against the Patriots. And this goes to a larger point too, George, just because this Colts team, especially this year, and, and you kind of see now the moves being made when they kind of feel like they're they're again they're being just made like almost impulsively. It, this feels very dysfunctional. Like you know, you see the Browns, you see the Lions, see the Jets, how they are always constantly in the toilet for the most part, and they're always kind of making rash decisions, never really think about things logically, never really fixing the problem. So far this cold season, they feel like a, one of those dysfunctional franchises where, like you mentioned, the, the the problem is glaring. It is obvious. But yet, bench quarterback, fire the offensive coordinator. There's really no method to the madness. 
and it just leaves you wondering, like, what are they trying to do? And again, you, you go back to the trade deadline where they trade Naeem Hines, but they don't go all in on a rebuild. They don't go all in on adding players. Like, what is going on with this team? Who is in control? And what is the vision they have? Because it's not clear. You're sending two different messages of you want to be this, you want to be that. And neither really makes sense. And neither right now realistic. And it's leaving you in this spinning cycle of disarray. Yep. No. And then that's exactly where they're at. You know, and I think the only, the only clear way out of this right now is for them to clean things up on offense and, and win some games down the stretch. But I don't know going forward. I mean, I know how, to, how it looks better this year. You know, you finish somehow six and three down the stretch. Uh, that would put you, what, nine, seven and one. Maybe you get into the playoffs. You could then start selling that you move forward. But I don't know how any of that, you know, makes you feel better about 2023 or, or going on. I think that's the issue right now. And nothing's going well in the present. Nothing that they're doing appears to be something that's going to make things go go better in the future. It's, it's the worst place to be. It's NFL limbo, you know, and it's and it's honestly it, it all comes back to one thing. Right. Welcome to quarterback purgatory. This is what happens when you switch a quarterback every year and you don't have that guy. The Colts had more than two decades where they didn't have to worry about that. And now they're seeing how the rest of the NFL lives. Is it, I mean, you're 100 right. And maybe this is this entire feeling of dysfunction right now is just because the Colts, like you said, have basically been in quarterback heaven for almost the last 25 years or so, right? Going back to Peyton Manning in 98, where really there's been no issues. And he is, you know, him right into Andrew Luck. It's been, this has been two of the best things you could have asked for. And now maybe this is truly just life when you don't have a true quarterback and everything else looks a lot worse than it really is. But especially just going back to this function part, like this feels Maybe that's just because it was, you said, Peyton and Andrew, two great leaders, two guys that always commanded and never really panicked that, okay, everything else can kind of settle down because we know we have that set of quarterback. But boy, I don't know if Jim Mercer, to be honest, George, is too involved, is not involved enough, but it just feels like right now someone has to take a hold of this franchise because the the message, the moves are not clear and they're not all seemingly aligned. It seems like there's different self-interests at play here, all kind of working almost against each other. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you, if you look at these last three, which don't seem to have any kind of cohesion, they don't seem to go together in any kind of realistic, easy-to-understand way, the quarterback move felt a lot like the owner did it. The trade feels a lot like something was driven by the player uh, and certainly would have been the general manager's decision. I mean, it was his his call. And now the firing of the offense coordinator certainly feels like something that the head coach did, but it, it feels like three different teams going in three different directions, but it's the same team in, in an eight day period. That's really, you know, it, it's sort of the definition of dysfunction. And it really is. It really is. And the scary part, there's still so much time still left in the season. And still like the Colts have not hit rock bottom yet, which is kind of scary. I mean, I think that's probably a good thing for them. Sometimes, you know, when you hit rock bottom, all you can do is go up from there. So, you know, you hope, frankly, the Colts do hit it, George, but it's like, there's still a long way for them to go before in theory you hit it, which is scary considering there's still two months left to go. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You've still got nine games to play. You're still on paper mathematically in a playoff race. I mean, I think that's the other thing. We're, we're talking about all these things going wrong and all these crazy decisions. If you're just looking at the numbers, they're what, ninth in, in, in the AFC, I think, something like that right now. Um, you know, they're, they're still in the middle of a playoff race. And... You just, I mean, granted, it's not leading anywhere. 
But if you're just looking at the numbers, you're just looking at the math, nothing they're doing makes sense because it's, again, it's not buying into that. It's not trying to, to maximize your results this season, which is probably the right call. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think you should be buying into that and trying to maximize the results this year. But if you're not, you got to be doing something to, to set this team up for the future. And it doesn't feel like that's happening either. Yeah, it absolutely does not. It feels like they're just right now trying. They almost feel like they're just hitting buttons you know, on a board in front of them. See, like what could what could work, what can help. And right now, the the benchmark Ryan button didn't help. Fire Marcus Brady button was hit next. I don't think that's going to really lead to anywhere, you know, especially you know, concrete change in in the offense. Um, they're trying. I, I guess that's. If you want to give them credit, they're trying, but it's just it's almost like they're hurting themselves and trying as hard as they are. Because like I said, you, you can't get fooled into right now the AFC being bad and. Look at, oh, we're three, four, and one. You know, we're not that far away. The U.S. lost to the Commanders. The Commanders stink, George. Oh, I'm sorry. This team is oh, not very goodness. good. And we were talking about it before the game, like, or during the game, like, this, this team stinks. And then next yeah. thing you look at the scoreboard, it's like, wow, the Colts just lost. I'm like, we thought the Colts were bad. Then you watch the Commanders, like, oh, this team's bad. And then all of a sudden, you end of the game, it's like, what just happened? Colts lost. It's it's bad. It's absolutely bad. Like, so you is. can't get fooled right now by the record and, and by the fact that everyone really, except for the Dolphins, Chiefs and Bills, you're gonna throw those three teams in there since two has played well. They've been, you know, kind of clicking all centers, and no one else really has. Teams mm -hmm. going nowhere. Like you mentioned, the best interest going forward here is getting the quarterback. Best way to do so, get as high of a draft pick as possible. Some days the Colts seem like that's the plan. Other days it seem the Colts feel like they're all in a playoff hunt, and that all leads right now just to them spinning their wheels and really kind of going nowhere fast. So Marcus Brady is out. Frank Reich, the all ready to play caller, will now become the offense coordinator last thing actually really quickly to George because now Frank Reich you know his job status has been talked about a lot recently this is a random question that just kind of popped in my head now that you fire the offense coordinator and now Frank Reich is the offense coordinator and the play call I know they have other position coaches does that almost make Frank Reich for the rest of the year like almost unfireable like what, what do you uh, do on offense it's a good question I mean it's like uh, is Reggie Wayne gonna be taking over the play calling dudes if you get Frank Reich out like we for like, oh, I don't know man. that would I've be never fun. seen that that would be interesting. Reg, that would Reg, be fun. you know, on, on the headset with the quarterback could be really <laughs> interesting. Uh, but no, um, I I never thought it was likely he was going to get fired during the season. You know that I've been saying that all along. Mm -hmm. I think this makes it even less likely. I think that's what you're getting at. Um, you know, I I think it's another thing that that sort of yeah. I mean, if you fire him now, you're firing your head coach and your offense coordinator, uh, and also there's no clear direction on what they want to do. So why not see this out? You know, see how it ends and then get to the end of the year and then, you know, make a decision on what you want to do. I will say this um, because I don't think I've said it enough. I Frank Reich has his faults. There's no question. Every coach does. I mean, we can go find look at Sean McVay. Not quite the genius this year. He was, you know, his whole career. Everybody's got their faults. I, I just don't feel like Frank ever got a, a really fair shake here. Um, you know, I mean, you're a Penn State guy. I love to remind you of that. But the thing that, that really makes me laugh is that they've had one starting quarterback for the last five seasons. And the Colts have had – they're on their sixth. I yeah. mean, this is it, – it's what's supposed to happen in college where you got a new starting quarterback every year and you're building an offense around them and it takes a month or two to kind of get everybody together and, and then you take off. But we sit there and we're like, why do they have slow starts every year? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And they have a new quarterback every year. That's why, you know, you've got to get him involved. You've got to get him on a new page. You've got to figure out what he likes. You've got to figure out how to best utilize him. You know, maybe moving forward now, that's that's maybe that's the one thing that they've got going for him 
Is it now Sam Ellinger, you know, had a pretty decent first start? Maybe now that they know him a little bit better, we keep talking about defenses learning, but his own team knows him better now. Maybe his second starts a little bit better if there's hope for the rest of the year. But I just don't feel like, I mean, Frank Reich has never had the same starting quarterback and back-to-back years. That's a phenomenal thing to say about a head coach who was around for, for this is his fifth year. You know, I'm not saying don't sack him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's a big part of me that feels like he never really got a fair full shot here. I I'm with you, by the way. Like, I think he's going to get fired, but I like, I, again, I think the problems with this team are far beyond Frank Reich. uh, And there's definitely multiple issues you could point to first for head coach. I know the fan, a lot of the fans want him out. They're sick and tired of him. And it's, it's the easy, shiny, flashy move to make George, right? You find the head coach. Okay. This is going to be a new different story, but you're all right. If we're just talking about actually being fair, actually having a real chance to succeed when you're, even though the playbook kind of stays the same, you're catering it. And Frank Wright doesn't do a good job of this catering the play calls, catering, you know, the system to what the quarterback does well, whether they're more mobile, whether they're more, you know, play action based, like that's a lot to do every off season to basically change around your entire philosophy and offense for a brand new quarterback each of the five years. Naeem Hines has talked about the frustration of learning it with a new guy every single year. Like you are right. Like it's not fair. Sports sometimes aren't fair. Like you saw the Nets mm-hmm. in basketball fire Steve Nash and, and the GM of the Nets basically said, it's not, you know, we didn't give him a chance to succeed. There's all this drama. He didn't really get a fair shake. Like that's the way sports is. And it's not really, I guess, a fair um, or sometimes the best um, excuse to use. Now I would agree with you hundred percent. Like this team, why they're sitting there at three, four and one, why they made the playoffs once since 2018. It's not Frank Reich's fault. It's not Frank Reich's. There's a lot of other issues you can point to first before you get to the head coach. I am with you there hundred percent, but that also, with that said, feels like it's inevitable at this point. Fair or not, oh. it feels like this is, he's a dead man walking. A hundred percent, a thousand percent. I agree. And you're right. I mean, when you talk about, you know, sports in general, not being fair, put the NFL at the top of that list. There's no yeah. fairness in the NFL and there's no desire for it. It's, it's a dog eat dog world. Uh, you know, it, it's brutal. It's, it's gladiators, right? It's the closest we have in, in That's modern true. society to, to gladiators. And that goes for everybody. It's not just the players on the field, the coaches, the, the front office, uh, as Dan Snyder's finding out the owners on occasion. Uh, hat tip to Jim Irsay there, by the way, but that that's a whole other pod. Um, yeah, because it looks like they're they're gonna finally sell. It, that's that's a good question for you too, Ryan. Before we go on to the final segment, do they put up a banner now for for <laughs> making Dan Snyder sell the Commanders? I mean, you might have to. And I think if you're the NFL, like the, the Commanders are a massive fan base, right? They're they're national. They are a great fan base. They were apathetic for the entire Dan Snyder era. So now the fact that you can get basically back one of the best fan bases in football back invested. If you're Roger Goodell, if you're the NFL, I think you owe Jim Mercy a big thank you. And if I'm if I'm Roger Goodell, I'll just say this, George. I think the first first overall pick in the 2023 draft, I think that would be that'd be good enough. Hey, you get the the most hated owner who drove a team at a fan base away for the last 20 years. You get him out, and in return, the first round pick. I think that's equal, and you give the handshakes. All right, deal. That's just me. I think it's fair. No, Jim Mercy saved the NFL. But we just talked about the NFL is not fair and. So that, that's oh, come the on. Well, in this instance, happen. in this instance, they should be fair. Fair is fair. Jim Irsay saved one of the biggest fan bases. You're welcome, Roger Goodell. Reward the man. Give him the quarterback he wants. That's obviously also, by the way, unbiased and definitely not with a Colts slant uh, for sure. None whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, that's completely right down the middle. I, I think it's just facts. It's just spitting facts right there. 
if this was a Giants podcast or a Patriots podcast, I'd be saying the same thing. I promise you. This is just this is right. This is the only thing that that Jim Irsay definitely does deserve. All right, we so, got to get Craig back on. He will agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, I'm that sure is he's for, on board. <laughs> Craig, I think would trade him. I would love to know how many first round picks he would trade <laughs> for the guarantee ouster of Dan Snyder. I think he would be a lot. So maybe we'll just do that as well. Get a few Commanders first rounders <laughs> as well. We've left you waiting long enough. When we return to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, George has a spicy hot take. The Colts' future right now is in disarray. It's in shambles. George has a reason why, and it's not because Andrew Luck. He'll explain when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. <laughs> 